0: Folks, uh, many of us gathered uh, here today are acutely aware that there are exactly 10.5 shopping days left before the big day arrives. Canadian economic forecasters are waiting with bated breath to predict future trends based in part on how much credit and debit card swiping we do this holiday season. With microeconomics and macroeconomics so visibly intertwined at the moment, I hope you will agree, ladies and gentlemen, that our guest speaker's topic, managing through difficult times, is timely and fitting. The Honourable Dwight Duncan, our province's finance minister, has been before the Canadian Club of Toronto on many occasions, most recently this past March, to help prepare us for the provincial budget. Today he joins us to provide an update on provincial priorities, which include job creation, education and health care, and to outline actions being taken to manage Ontario responsibly as our finance minister and chair of Treasury Board Management Board of, Camp, uh, of cabinet Minister Duncan's portfolio drives fiscal policy oversees the province's finances and manages our economic affairs he's what you might call our chief job creation and economic growth officer minister Duncan is the keeper of our collective checkbook which given the challenging economic times that we have been through is no easy task. The impact of the global recession is still being felt even as we move toward recovery. Nervous optimism seems to be the sentiment of the day. As Canada's most populous province, the condition of our economy is closely watched and scrutinized in good times, but even more so when those times become more difficult. Minister Duncan was first elected to the Ontario Legislature 15 years ago, and has been re-elected three times since. He was previously Minister of Energy, as well as Government House Leader. As Minister of Energy, he brought meaningful change to the province's electricity sector, fostering a culture of uh, uh, conservation, while ensuring a reliable, sustainable, and diverse and affordable power supply. The finance minister is a lifelong resident of Windsor and sat on Windsor City Council from 1988 to 1994. A graduate of McGill University and the University of Windsor, he holds degrees in economics and commerce as well as an MBA. His first full-time job after graduating from university was in the office of Federal Liberal Member of Parliament, Herb Gray. Excuse me. Minister, we are all anticipating your guidance today about managing through difficult times. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming the Honourable Dwight Duncan back to our podium.
1: Thank you, uh, Nick, very much for that uh, kind introduction. It is good to be back here today with the uh, Canadian Club and to have the opportunity to share with you some thoughts that uh, uh, I think are important as we move forward and as we move uh, towards the new year. Somebody told me coming in that uh, uh, Governor Carney spoke yesterday and it was uh, a sobering uh, speech so I won't... Uh, review a lot about the broader economic issues, suffice to say uh, while we are experiencing a, uh, a, a recovery it is a fragile recovery and there is much left to do. You know this is the time of year when families are typically spending more on gifts, on family dinners and on travel. You might be asking yourselves why is the finance minister during the holiday season talking about managing through difficult times which sounds like means Spending less. Managing through these difficult times isn't just about spending less. That was the approach of previous governments. Steep, across the board cuts. No thought, no plan, and consequently, we are still cleaning up today. 6,000 nurses fired, 28 hospitals closed, 26 million lost student days of school. Walkerton. Our approach is different. First, we've outlined a plan. Reducing costs allows us to redirect these resources to job creation, teachers for our classroom, and nurses in our hospitals while eliminating the deficit. Since taking office, the McGuinty government has brought efficiency and accountability to the provincial government and to the broader public sector. One of the first steps we took was to extend the Freedom of Information Act to Hydro One and Ontario Power Generation. They had been previously deliberately exempted from that act. The exemption hid a variety of inexplicable expenses, including a box at the Air Canada Centre. This type of expenditure is unacceptable for a public agency or Crown Corporation. So we got rid of it. A variety of other questionable practices were stopped, including the elimination of certain perks and benefits for senior executives. These perks were excessive for crown agencies, so we got rid of them. Our initiatives went far beyond the hydro companies. We brought in something called the Fiscal Transparency and Accountability Act. It mandates regular financial reporting to the legislature and the people of Ontario. And it is now the law in Ontario that the auditor signs off on the books before an election so that everyone knows what the true state of the province's finances are going into an election. We have eliminated deficits in the past. When we came to office, there was a $5.6 billion deficit. We eliminated that and in part we did it by flatlining the operating budgets of 15 ministries and among other things, we banned the use of public dollars on partisan political advertising. No more 30-page glossy photo books full of smiling cabinet ministers extolling the policies of the day in your mailbox once a week. To provide still greater accountability we expanded the reach of the auditor to conduct value-for-money audits in the broader public sector where the majority of tax dollars are spent. Now hospitals, school boards and long-term care homes are subject to the scrutiny of the Auditor General. These changes are cultural, these changes are systemic, these changes have fundamentally altered the way government does business. At the same time as we've taken these steps, we've committed to get more value out of every dollar. Remember, we had three balanced budgets in a row before the global recession hit in 2008. The recession hit governments around the world and drove up deficits. The Canadian government is a good example of that. And we followed the advice of organizations like the OECD and IMF and stepped up spending and infrastructure and stimulus to help get us through these challenging times. We laid out a plan and we're delivering on it. And it's incumbent on anybody seeking public office today to lay out a plan and say what you're going to do you know we have a history of meeting the targets we set and beating them in each of our budgets we have laid out specific cost saving targets in two thousand seven for example we promised to find seven hundred and fifty million in savings by the end of the fiscal year we beat that target we found over eight hundred million in annual savings we did this through big things for instance we reduce the reliance on consultants and small things like reducing the amount of paper we use these savings are ongoing which means they are being redirected from the back office to frontline public services and to reducing the deficit part of reducing our overhead is our tax reform plan harmonizing our sales and corporate taxes with the federal government wasn't just essential for job creation. You want to see an example, a real example of what increasing efficiency means? Take a look at this. These are the regulations we eliminated. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Now, I don't want to drop that. Now let me tell you what that saved us. That saved the government of Ontario, the government that is you, the taxpayers, 440 million dollars over five years. Businesses will save 700 million each and every year going forward on reduced compliance costs alone. 700 billion. That's money that can be invested in hiring people, in building a stronger economy. And that's why every major economist has said that our tax plan is the right plan, not just for jobs, but for a more efficient economy. We are a leader when it comes to finding savings and improving value for money. Here's something I'll bet many of you didn't know. Of all the provinces in Canada, Ontario now has the second lowest per capita spending on government administration. While saving money is important, our approach is about making government work better for the people it's meant to serve. You know, when we came to office, it took almost four months to get a birth certificate in Ontario. So the first four months of your baby's life, you couldn't travel out of the province. I'm seeing a lot of moms and young dads nodding affirmatively out there. Now you get that birth certificate within 15 days of ordering it, or it's free. Bad news for those of you looking for a free birth certificate. 99% of them arrive on time. And we are extending that principle to a range of other government services that are important to all Ontarians. Another example, much bigger in terms of the broader economic outlook, is in the world of public-private partnerships, or what we call AFPs. When we came to office, we knew that government did not have the expertise to manage large-scale infrastructure projects. There was no plan. There was no strategic allocation of capital. Each ministry had its own process, and there was no overarching strategic approach to capital projects. That's why we established Infrastructure Ontario to coordinate projects and deliver them on time and on budget. Governments from across North America are now coming, calling to see how it is this thing has worked. Let me give you an example that will be familiar to many of you in the room. The Runnymede Health Care Centre here in Toronto it was built as a school in 1908 and turned into a long-term care facility in 1945 many of the people there suffer from debilitating syndromes such as hunting disease and alzheimer's it was first acknowledged that this facility had to be replaced in 1987 by 2003 that had not been accomplished even though the previous government had granted the institution $6.5 million. So our government took action. Infrastructure Ontario, on behalf of the hospital, organized an $89 million replacement that more than doubles capacity on the old facility's former parking lot. Today, more than 200 people are benefiting from that modern healthcare facility. And last, ladies and gentlemen, The project was completed two months early and came in on budget. And that is just an example of how these things work because most of our projects are now coming in on time and on budget in spite of the massive amount of stimulus and infrastructure spending we have. Our commitment to making government work better and to be more efficient has been a constant theme and has helped us to focus on building stronger schools and better access to health care. Protecting the gains we've made is an important part of our plan to deal with the fallout of the global recession. The last two years have been challenging for the Ontario economy but thanks to that diverse economy, responsible fiscal management and a solid financial sector We are emerging from the recession in better shape than many other jurisdictions around the world. I don't know if you've heard this or not, we have now recovered 87% of the jobs lost during the recession compared to the United States, which has recovered just 11%. We ran a deficit to keep teachers and students in classrooms, nurses in hospitals, and 400,000 people in Ontario employed in the auto sector. We have laid out a realistic plan to balance the budget. This includes a policy of not funding compensation increases for two years for over a million broader public sector employees. And you know what? Wage settlements are trending down. In fact. The average settlement since the 2010 budget is now below the average of the private sector and municipal and federal public sectors. Now, there are people who would like to see us get into a fight. There are people who would like to see protesters on the line. There are people that think it would be a good idea to not have labor stability in the middle of a fragile economic recovery. We rejected that, and we will not go down that path. Our government believes, and I believe, that people of goodwill can work together to find solutions to difficult problems. It takes more time, it's more complicated, but it works. And we will continue to build on those successes that we've experienced to date. And, you know, we're leading by example. We have a three-year salary freeze for all MPPs. The Ontario Public Service is being reduced by 5% over three years. Use of consultants since we took office has been cut by 50%. You know, one of the interesting things that happens, you know, you lay off a whole bunch of people without thinking it through, and then you hire them back as consultants and you pay them more money. That's what happened. And, by the way, you lose some of your top talent and expertise. We lost, by the way, all of our best land claims negotiators to British Columbia. We wish now we hadn't. We lost all that institutional memory. And then, by the way, when you do that, you pay them severance. So, do you save money? I don't think so. Our approach is altogether different, and I challenge the other guys to say what they're going to do. Bold steps have been taken in to rein in the cost of generic drugs. This is another one has largely gone unnoticed due to the savings we've achieved by lowering drug prices since 2006 okay we've saved over 1 billion dollars which we have reinvested by the way hundred and fifty new prescription drugs have been added to the provincial formulary 38 of which are cancer-fighting drugs that is a remarkable savings and a remarkable reinvestment that talks about focusing priorities And it talks to what's important to Ontarians. Last spring, our government took further actions that slashed the cost of generic drugs by as much as 50%. We were spending more than any other jurisdiction in the world on generic drugs. We put an end to it. And we're reinvesting that money into vital health care services and into deficit elimination. You know, these actions, last spring's actions on generics will save the government $500 million annually, money that, as I indicated, is being uh, reallocated to frontline health care services and to deficit elimination. For the last several years, we have been making government work better for people. Today is the first in a series of updates on what the Government of Ontario is doing to get even more value for taxpayers dollars. In each update you'll hear us talk about some of the things we've done already and some of the new things we're going to be finding additional savings and values with. Let me announce three additional measures. The first new step we are taking is related to agencies in Ontario. There are more than 600 agencies in Ontario, 259 of which are controlled by directly by the province, the top 14 of which spend more than $1.7 billion a year. We will reduce that number of agencies by 5% initially. We will do it by eliminating agencies, combining finding efficiencies. In these difficult times, we need to look under every stone to cut back on agencies with overlapping functions or agencies whose function could either cease to exist or simply be more efficiently done by other means. We are looking in our own backyard, and we are also working with our partners to manage even better together in lean times. For example... My colleague, Laurel Broughton, has been working hard on several fronts with the organizations she interacts with as Minister of Children and Youth Services. She and her team, and by the way, we appointed a body over a year ago to have a close, careful look at how we are funding our children's aid societies, which has been an important exercise that is now bearing some fruit. Let me tell you about it. They've identified over a dozen children's aid societies that can be consolidated into half that number and that's just in phase one of the transformation of services in this sector. Interestingly enough, because of the work she's done, the number of children's aid society, a number of other, excuse me, children's aid societies have come forward asking to be added to the list. Because they know by doing this they can improve frontline services, save money, and invest it in those poor kids who need the support of society the most. That's what working together is all about. That's what taking time is all about. It's not about attacking labor. It's not about attacking people who don't agree with you. It is about building consensus. And it's about leadership, the kind of leadership Dalton McGinty has shown throughout his seven years as premier. You know, change can be difficult, but these changes are absolutely essential. The second measure I'm announcing today is the cancellation of the Premier's Discovery and Catalyst Awards. Yes, these rewards were created by our government, and while innovation is still a priority, these awards are not. And they have not been achieving what we wanted them to achieve. Now, I cite this by way of example. It's a relatively small amount of money, some $2.5 million annually, but make no mistake, we will be going line by line, ministry by ministry, organization by organization to find these savings and reinvest in areas where they will make a bigger difference, including paying down the deficit. The third new measure I want to tell you about today has to do with perks. Taxpayers want to know their tax dollars are directed to their priorities. We've toughened rules on meals, travel and hospitality expenses. We've mandated public posting of expenses for cabinet ministers, senior officials and senior public sector executives. We've banned the use of taxpayer dollars to hire outside lobbyists to ask for more taxpayer dollars. Last week we welcomed the Auditor General's most recent report. I say welcomed because people forget that we expanded the Auditor General's mandate. The previous government tried to shrink his ability by cutting more than $600,000 from his budget. Despite all the steps we've taken, there are still perks out there that we do not believe are acceptable to Ontarians. Taxpayers don't know about these problems until the Auditor General shines a light on them. This government wouldn't put up with the box at the Air Canada Centre that I spoke of earlier, and we won't put up with unacceptable perks paid for with hard-earned taxpayer and ratepayer dollars. We will introduce legislation that will, if pressed, eliminate perks in the public and broader public sector. Now, it's important to say that, in my view, the vast majority of our public sector workers are very responsible and prudent. They don't take or receive perks, Now is the time to be extra clear about unacceptable perks and to specify taxpayer expectations in law. Let me say to you today that there will be no more golf or gym memberships for executives who are paid for by Ontario taxpayers. There will be no season tickets, no more lump sum, no receipt, no questions asked travel budgets. Taxpayer dollars will not be used to fund advisory services for personal tax or state planning for executives. Every time the Auditor General files a report, and I know it bugs you, drives me crazy, and drives my colleagues and I crazy. You know why? Because we were elected to work on health care and education. And every time we get distracted by this stuff it undermines our ability to deliver those public services more responsibly. We don't want to be spending time dealing with these things anymore. We don't want to be dealing with Air Canada Centre boxes, nanny fees, and dry cleaning, which are some of the things we've had to deal with. We want to put our energies into encouraging economic growth, job creation, schools and hospitals, and eliminating our deficit. To all of our partners in the public service and to the broader public sector, you need to know and understand that we expect the same. Ladies and gentlemen, the McGuinty government is committed to focusing resources on what is most important as we eliminate the deficit. There's no public money for executive luxuries. Families value teachers, nurses, and our public sector workers. All of us constantly expect value for the dollar. As a government, we understand our responsibility and the expectations of Ontario families. We will treat tax dollars the way families in Toronto or Thunder Bay or even in my home of Windsor would expect. This is a great province. This is a province that has a future. We have laid out plans on the tax and energy sides that will build a brighter future for our children. It involves sacrifice on all of our parts today so that that future will hold more jobs and better opportunity. Working together, I know that we can get bigger and better and stronger as the world comes out of this global downturn. Working with all of you and with our partners in the public and broader public sectors, Ontario Ontario will continue to be a beacon of hope for people around the world, a, place, a good place to do business, a good place to raise a family, and a good place for each and every one of us. All the best of the holiday season and thank you so much for hearing my words today.
0: Thank you very much, Minister. I'd like to call Tenio Evangelista, Director of the Canadian Club, to the podium.
2: Thanks, Nick. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank the Minister for taking the time to share his views and thoughts with us today. I'd also like to thank him for the terrific job he's been doing as our Finance Minister. As we all know, the last couple of years have not been easy, and the challenges that lie ahead will be no less easier. To overcome these challenges, we need strong leadership, the kind of leadership that Minister Duncan has recently shown in leading us through these difficult times. Tough decisions needed to be made. These decisions, such as the HST, the auto sector bailout, were not popular, but they were the right ones to make. In government, doing what's popular is easy, but making the right decisions, sometimes unpopular ones, requires courage and vision. We should be thankful that Minister Duncan and the Premier have displayed the courage and vision to make the right decisions for Ontario, and I have every confidence that he will continue to do so on behalf of all Ontarians in the years ahead. Thank you.
0: Thank you Tenio, thank you again Minister Duncan, and thank you once more to TD Securities and Campbell Strategies for making this event possible. Now before we uh, break for lunch, I'd like to list a few upcoming events at the Canadian Club of Toronto. On January 4th, please join us for our 34th Annual Financial Outlook Luncheon uh, uh, for 2011, featuring the National Post's uh, Terence Cochrane, Diane Francis, and John Iveson, and Scotiabank's Warren Jeston. This event will be moderated by Amanda Lang, Gemini Award-winning CBC Senior Business Correspondent, and anchor of the Lang and O'Leary Report. On January 13th, Margaret Franklin, Chair of the Board of Governors of the CFA Institute and President and CEO of Kinsale Private uh, Wealth, will discuss the steps investors, regulators, government and industry participants should be taking to enhance investor protections. And on January 31st, the Honorable Deb Matthews, Minister of Health and Long-Term Care, will speak at our podium. To order tickets to these or any Canadian Club events, please visit our website at CanadianClub.org. This concludes our television programming, which has been broadcast on Rogers TV. We are grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of Canadian Club events. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please stand and join me in a toast to Canada. to Canada, enjoy your lunch.